I've been doing 90% of the talking in a meeting. That's not good. And welcome back to Clarity in Conversations. Well, you need to find a way to cut material that your audience doesn't care about. Miscommunication in offices around the world leads to delayed projects, frustrated colleagues, and missed sales. This can be avoided. There's fascinating research that gives insight into how to have creative dialogues and clear conversations in the office and at home. Full of practical tips, insightful research, and inspiring guests, this is Clarity in Conversations, a podcast by Frank Garten. And here we are again with Clarity in Conversations, episode 9 already. The last episode with Celeste Hadley was listened to very well again. And I received a few reactions from uh, from quite some of you. If you did reach out, then you've received a thank you message personally by now, um, by mail. And um, yeah, I'd love that interaction, so thanks for that. What did Celeste Hadley say last time? Well... The most fascinating part to me was about her learnings as a journalist and interviewer to make conversations interesting, even when people initially don't seem that interesting to you. Obviously, and my literally my job is to find a way to make it interesting to me, right? To become interested. I'd better become interested, even when I don't think their message is interesting to me. Yeah, and even more so, just to take it one step further, they are interesting. Everyone has interesting things to say. I mean, that's the secret. That's what I learned. So on to today's episode where we make a move now. If you think of communication as a process of sending and receiving, then Celeste Hadley last time was all about receiving and listening genuinely to what the other person has to say. Our guest of today is on the sending side. How to make sure your message is sharp and concise, such that it gets heard and understood by others. I'm speaking with Joe McCormack. Joe lives in Chicago and his interests are concise, strategic communication and leadership development. He is the author of two books. Brief, Make a Bigger Impact by Saying Less is one of his books. And his newest book is called Noise, Living and Leading Where Nobody Can Focus. Joe also founded the Brief Lab after he developed a unique curriculum on executive communication for the U.S. Army Special Forces. Joe actively counsels military leaders and senior executives on effective, efficient communication. His mission is to help them craft a clear and concise message. Now that skill sounds like quite elementary for a leader, right? Well, it's not. One of the things that I've observed with effective leaders is that they can speak clearly and concisely um, on on demand. Yet many of them I've found struggle with it. And I've it surprised me that 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 this is a difficulty for them. And and, and, I, and I think one of the big reasons is nobody teaches you how to be brief, mm-hmm. but it's not actually taught anywhere. Um, we teach people how to write to some extent in a concise way, but even then, brief communication being clear and concise is not something that you're taught, it's just, but yet it's an expectation and more, and nowadays even more so people expect you to do it because they're all busy and they're in a hurry yeah. and there's way too much information to consume, but they can't do it. So I, I feel a big part of my role is to help them deliver a clear and concise message because that's, that's what people want. Right. And, and there you said an interesting thing, Joe, because you said if they want, if they pay attention, they can very well do it. So it, it sounds almost like they have the skill. They just forget about it. 
Yeah, I mean, part there, there's they have bits and pieces of the skill, but they don't. When they're successful, they don't know why, and when they're not successful, they don't know why. Because there's there's a methodology, there's a system, where whereby when you're when you are being clear and being concise is not an accident. Mm-hmm. It's there's you have to have a plan. So many times people don't prepare. So they think being brief is just being concise. Well, I'm just going to say three words. Well. It, it may be that that's too brief. Um, it may be that your audience needs you to say more. So th- I think one of the problems that people have is they don't give enough time to prepare. Okay, what am I going to say? And why is this important? And who am I talking to? Um, they're moving from meeting to meeting, from conversation to conversation, but there's no preparation. Um, and it's very difficult for people to, to get better at the skill if you're not preparing um, before you communicate. And you're saying then that if, if you don't pay attention, if you don't prepare, then we go in, in kind of automatic mode and we use way more words than we need to. While if we prepare, almost paradoxical, we become shorter and more concise. Yeah, I mean, the, the natural way for people to communicate is to start speaking and then you conclude at the end. Where your main idea is, is at the end. It's the natural way of communicating. But when you live in an environment like we do today, where people are constantly consuming information, they have low attention spans and they struggle to focus because they have so many things they're, they're paying attention to, the, the communicator needs to speak in the opposite way. So they need to say the most important thing first. Yeah. Well, that requires preparation because I need to know what that is first before I start talking. Yeah. So journalists do this, right? They speak in headlines. They write in headlines and they speak in headlines because they know that their audience can change Um, and look at something else. Leaders need to do the same thing as they need to speak with the most, saying the most important thing first and why it's the most important thing and not at the end, because it just, and that will that will definitely make it shorter if you, if you start that way. Yeah. And you say in, in, when when you started writing the book brief and, and when you started all of this, you said you saw a need for leaders to be more concise And then I'm thinking leaders don't automatically see that themselves. At least my experience in a lot of leadership development programs is that usually people don't come with a learning goal. I want to be more brief. They first need to get feedback in order to, well, identify to them that they're spending way too much time using too much words. Does it, does it take you effort in your job to convince people that there's a need? What's interesting is, there's two sides to it. So if you sit in an audience or in a meeting or in a room and you hear somebody communicate, all everybody in those instances wants the presenter to be brief. It's, it's just, it's a want. Your audience, yeah. they don't want to sit there for an hour if it could take five minutes. Yeah. Or they don't want to sit there for two hours if it could take a half hour. So the, the, the audience wants it, but the presenter doesn't look at it that way. So what I, I think what, ha- what, what helps me when I talk to people is, it's not about you. It's about your audience. So if you, if it takes you 25 minutes, but it should have only taken you 15, well, you need to find a way to cut material that your audience doesn't care about. Yeah. And you're, and oftentimes what people, the person who's speaking is the person who's that information matters to them, but doesn't matter to anybody else. Um, And that, and a, a lot of that has to do with, humility it has to do with professionalism it has to do with really thinking what is the most important thing that people need to hear versus what do i feel comfortable talking about yeah it's a it's a skill that people can improve in but they 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 need to look at the risk when they give excess excess information to people 
Yeah. It, most of the information they're saying, they're not even listening to. And my experience is that, that usually people are so passionate and when they become passionate about, for example, the technical details of their project or the implications of their product for a customer or things like that, they get carried away, right? It's, 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 a, it's, it's, a, it's a big one. It's a, it's a big one where people get so excited, they, they go and start talking about the things that they care about. One, another reason people do it is because they, it's when you, and I love, you know, just, we're talking about having a conversation. There's an expression that I came up with, which is when you communicate, it's a, it's a lot more like tennis and less like golf. And what I say <laughs> that is it, when you're playing golf, you keep on advancing the ball you keep on making your point. People communicate like that. It's very dominant. Like I keep on hitting the ball, my ball forward. Well, in right. tennis, I say, I serve a ball, you return it. It becomes conversational. The same thing happens with audiences. They, they need to look at it in balance. This is imbalanced. I've been doing 90% of the talking in a meeting. That's not good. How do I know what people are thinking if, they, if they're not talking? So it's more like tennis and less like golf is a, is a saying that can kind of help people remind them like you're in a conversation. Yeah. Two people need to be in a conversation, not one. Now, you, you give these tennis lessons to senior leaders up to board level um, in, in your daily work, but you, you're also doing a lot of work based on the book brief for the, for the U.S. military and for special forces. I'm kind of curious, where, where did their need for brevity come up? It, within the special operations community, they're communicating a lot of complex information under very, very short timelines. The number one mechanism for them to communicate is a briefing. It's, it's called a, a, to, to, to deliver a briefing. The expectation of a briefing is it would be short. The irony or the reality is many briefings are really long. It's silly, but military briefings are long. All right. They're supposed to be, by definition, short. You're giving a briefing. Yeah. And, and my joke was it's in the word briefing, brief. Yeah. But it's not brief. So the people have been on the receiving end and the delivery of bad briefings in the military across wide spectrums of people. And then in the special operations community, there is an expectation that they're going to be short and they're not. And when that expectation is not met, people get frustrated. And that's where I started. How to teach people how to make a briefing brief was the reason I wrote the book. And it's in, in that community immediately obvious why it's so important, right? I mean, the consequences of not being brief and being chaotic in your briefing or, or vague can be enormous. In, in business, we just have a boring enormous. meeting. Well, th there's always an impact. There's always an impact. So I was just a few moments ago, I had, I'm in an office in North Carolina near one of the largest military installations in the country. Um, I had 20 um, intelligence analysts. So their job is to gather intelligence about everything and synthesize and report it to people. Well, if it's, if it's long and confusing, it, it affects people's decision-making. Yeah. So they think important things are unimportant and unimportant things are important. So everything gets backwards. So what I was teaching them is how to deliver an executive summary. And before they even start the briefing, give me the executive summary, give me the summary of what the briefing is gonna be about in 60 seconds. And I asked them a question. This is just a half hour ago here. Have you heard the term executive summary? And they're like, of course. Have you had to deliver them? Yes. Has anybody ever taught you how to build one? And I, everybody always says no. Hmm. That's very indicative. It's very, it's very interesting. No, people have to deliver, but nobody's ever taught you how to build one. And I tell them, well, this is how you build an executive summary. 
always start with the question, what? What am I talking about? Is it, is it difficult for them to learn this? Is it, is it a no, long No, it's actually path? not. It's, it's, actually, it's, it's, it's actually not hard for them to learn. It's hard for them to, to practice it. But what I found is in these communities, because they're disciplined, is once you teach a person to do something that nobody's ever taught them, it stops about half the problem yeah. because nobody's ever taught them how to do it. They're speaking. The analogy I use in my courses in, is comedy. When you listen to a comedian, a comedian prepares a specific order and flow of information to make somebody laugh. It's not random. It's very predictable. So they think about, I'm saying these things in this order and that it would lead a person to laugh. Hmm. Clarity is a lot the same way. There's an order to the information that if you get the order in the right way, it le it's clear. It's not an accident. You can actually do it intentionally. Yeah. So in an executive summary, the first thing is, what are you talking about? And then the second is, why are you talking about it? And then the last thing is, well, so what do you want me to do? Or so what's next? So what's the conclusion? So yeah. it's what, why, so what? And if you think about, if you think about something that's pointless, the term pointless is very, when you hear it like, I was in a meeting, it was pointless. Yeah. Or I was in a presentation and it was pointless. What you're hearing is, it's not that they didn't know what the topic was. Right. It's that nobody told them why it was important. So you had a point, but there was no purpose behind it. So what is the topic and the purpose is why? And that makes it clear. Yeah. And so and now I'm talking about the budget and I'm telling it to you because we need authority to make a decision. So now I have the what and the why. And I still, I teach people the building box of an executive summary and it makes things clearer. Mm. And people are really happy. It's incredible. It's like you're deciphering a puzzle that they never able to decipher it's not and it's 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 a little bit obvious but it's not that obvious for people right yeah but they see the effect in the conversations they're having immediately. it's immediately you can see yeah. the effect immediately yeah. in so many ways um it's a silly example in a professional context this happens to us all the time everybody has a boss i mean everybody has a boss and so whether your boss is your customer or you actually have a boss in your company or everybody has somebody to report to. So when that person asks, okay, so what's new or how is it going or what are you working on? The general answer is, okay, we'll tell them what I'm doing and why I'm telling why I'm working on it. And people don't prepare an update. So I, it's a funny joke in the military, they take training trips a lot. They go around, they train. Well, when they come back from a training trip, people ask, how was the trip? And this is how they answer the question. Good. <laughs> and I said, good's not a, that's not the point. What about it was good? Was it good or was it bad? Was it effective or ineffective and why? So you said, okay, we learned way more than we thought. And this is important because it helps us become ready a month in advance. So now you, that's an update. And I teach people how to do that. And, it's, and they're, and they're, they're really, they can communicate with a lot more confidence a lot more clarity, a lot more consistency, and a big thing, in less time. Yeah. And translating this, uh, Joe, to the corporate world means that if I, as a manager, need to give a speech to a department or I need to explain a new strategy or a, a big change in the company, I better follow these three steps also, is, is, is to say, what do I want to talk about, but also why is it so important? And so what? What's the consequence? That's exactly right. It, you can take that same what, why, so what, and use it in another example is meetings. In a meeting, meetings are in the book. I just wrote a book called Noise, 
and it's about managing distractions and information overload. And people are, the, our, will, our world is filled with noise and, and it's not brief and it's really confusing and it's just too much. Yeah. Um, meetings are a source of noise for a lot of people. If you think about an agenda for a meeting, what is the point of the meeting and why are we having it? Yeah. At the end of the meeting, what do we want to accomplish? So what's the, what's the so what or the conclusion of the meeting? What's the end state? If you put that into agenda, this is what we're talking about. This is why it matters. These are the things that we're going to discuss. And this is the, the conclusion that we're trying to drive toward a decision or an action. That makes it so much clearer for people how to participate in the conversation. Yeah. But people don't do that. So that you start talking about a topic. Nobody knows why it's important. You don't know what you're talking about. And then the meeting's long. And then I joke with people and they, because it happens. What, what do people do after a bad meeting? They schedule another one. Yeah. <laughs> like that was a disaster. That was a terrible use of time. Let's do that again. We need to follow up. Yeah. Yeah. Let's have another one. That's insane. Yeah. So these are applications in a, in a business context, meetings, updates. Another one is people's role. Like what is your responsibility? Oh yeah. So I was told, okay, this is what I do, but this is why it's important or what, you know, what I'm responsible for. Oh, absolutely. I'm the founder of a company and a managing director of a business, but this is important because I'm responsible for setting the strategy and direction of the business or I'm in charge of IT or technology. That's what I do. But why is it important is I, I help automate the processes of the business so that we don't waste so much time communicating with each other. Yeah. Now people go, oh, okay, now I understand why your role is important. And that, that's another, just another example of it's brief, but it's now you've clarified so don't just start talking to people about a subject. Don't just write down a job description. Decide upfront what the key message is and why this key message is of relevance to your audience. It's all about timing. Take the time to prepare, but also time your speech such that you lead people to where you want to have them. That's what comedians do as well. Just like a comedian will lead a person to laughter, we can do certain things to lead people to clarity. Yeah, yeah. and and and. The gratitude is enormous. People are you know, happy with the insights, right? Absolutely. And the conversations yeah. are better. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're having great conversations about important issues with people that actually create a result versus, I think one of the things that frustrates many people, certainly frustrates me, is I love conversations, but when you have conversations that don't lead anywhere, it feels like you just keep on talking, but you're not saying anything. Yeah, yeah. And you're actually listening, and then when, and then the, and then you listen to people, and then you stop listening to them because you're, they're not saying anything either. So nobody's actually listening to each other. It's, it's interesting. Very, very, very frustrating. Yeah, and when we speak about conversations, um, we tend to think usually in terms of a model of you know a sender and a receiver. And in this podcast, we've paid a lot of attention to the listening side. And and one of our guests, Laura Janicek, even said, "Listening is not so much a skill." It's more a mindset. Mm. How would you put that for, for speaking, for being brief? Is it, does it have it's to be more to do with... it's, a, it's an enormous dimension of the quality. There was a, a quote that I heard a number of years ago that I loved. It's, it says, speak in such a way that people love to listen to you. Listen in such a way that people love to speak to you. <laughs> yeah. so, you're, so I in the book Noise, I created a term. I don't know, maybe this term has been created by somebody else, but I just used it. And the term is called present listening. And it's a play on words because I use the word present like being present in the moment and using present like a gift. So I'm giving the person the gift of my undivided attention. What happens in listening is people think it's a feeling. 
And what I ask people is, you no, know, in, in when you really are listening to somebody, when, there are so few business leaders that are good at this, but the ones that are, are everybody notices. Because when they're listening to you, they, it's, you have their complete attention. Those people are, it's a mindset. You're absolutely correct. It's a, it's a complete mindset, but the mindset is to be interested in somebody. It's not a feeling, it's their job. So I use the example of professional listeners. So if you think of a professional listener like a journalist or a therapist or whatever, their job is to listen. So they're listening because they, they need to. They're, they don't listen because they feel like it. They listen because it's their job. So present listening is like this. Like I'm listening because I'm interested, and, but, but I'm choosing to be interested. I don't feel interested. And then ultimately what that changes is you become interested. People are interesting. But in the beginning, it's a little hard. And I'm thinking about it while you say it is that we say, I need to be interested in you in order to listen well. But if I go back to the start of the conversation, you said that in the same way, I need to be interested in you in order to speak brief and concise, right? I need to think about what you want to hear from me. Not That's exactly that right. It's, it's a, you're right. It's a shift of the mindset, which is when I'm communicating, it's not about me. It's like, I can say whatever I want to say. It's what are people hearing? And one of the things that motivated me when I wrote the book Brief is people communicate, but very, very little. The more you say, the less people hear. Yeah, that's the paradox of, of almost the title of the book, right? Make a bigger impact by saying by, less. The irony, though, here's the irony, and there's irony in this whole thing, is when a person is really clear and concise, a person is heard, and then the irony is the person is lets them speak more. So the example is I use is, you're in your office, the door, somebody knocks on the door and they say, they put their head in, they say, do you have a minute? The person says, sure. And they walk in and they've prepared this just a little bit and prepared. Okay. What am I looking for? And this is why am I asking? What am I going to say? And, and they do it and it's less than a minute. So, okay, I need to talk to you because I, I need to make a decision. I've got two options and I'd like to get your opinion. Option A is this option B is this. What do you think I should do? And the person's like, okay, well, let's do this, let's do B. And then the person leaves in a minute. Well, that's, mm -hmm. the irony is now the person asks for a minute, but you, they talk for two or three minutes, it'd be fine. But imagine if that person didn't prepare and it took them five, 10 minutes. You see, it's, so the irony is if you're really clear and concise, people will actually let you talk longer because it's yeah, easy. For yeah, yeah. It's not Absolutely. hard to listen to. Would you also say, Joe, that the connection between the two books you, you wrote so brief, uh, make bigger impact by saying less, and the new book, Noise, Living and Leading When Nobody Can Focus, is the connection indeed in that focus element? Is it? It, it? Indeed, it is. If you think about communicating, those two, noise and brief, are two sides of the same coin. So if you think about it, poor communication you go to a meeting or an update or it's just poorly organized, it creates noise. So when a person hears it, it just sounds like static. They can't hear anything because it's just, it's just, an, it's just words. They're not saying anything. So much of business communication is noise yeah. because it's just too much, poorly organized, irrelevant. It, it, the person's talking to themselves. So the, the, the connection between these two titles is, Noise is about clear thinking. When you can think clearly and you can lower the noise, you can communicate clearly. Right. So if you think about a moment where it's very noisy for a person, like let's say a person's really, really overwhelmed and they're angry and they've got a million things going on, 
and then the person has to start talking to somebody. That's going to be noisy too. So I'm trying to help people lower the volume of disruptions, distractions, information, how much information they consume so they can lower the noise so that when it comes time to focus, they can. And then when it comes time to communicate, they can do it clearly. Yeah. So clear thinking leads to clear communicating is the premise. Yeah. Now, if we go to the more practical application uh, of this, there, there was one, one uh, I would say, recipe almost in your book that, that fascinated me. Um, you spent a chapter on, 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 you know, I would call it the algorithm, map it, tell it, talk it, show it. Could you explain what you, what you mean with that? The, there's a process. I, I, I was talking earlier about comedians. The, a comedian goes through a very specific set of practices before they actually do the comedy. So when I talk about map it, I use, I recommend these visual outlines. We have tools called brief maps that are basically visual outlines. And it's, it's think of like bubbles on a page and you start mapping out the message. This is going to create order and flow to what I'm talking about. Right. It's like an outline, a visual outline. And then you map it out and then you, you start telling it and then you talk. So a person responds you start creating a conversation and then you show it by telling a story or using visuals, but you're engaging people, but you're not, you're never talking at them. You're always thinking about them first, preparing what you're going to say, say it, get them to respond, you know, show them examples, keeping them engaged. So the whole thing feels engaging. It's like you're having a conversation with the audience always. And that process becomes very balanced for people. And like, so when you, when a person listens to a comedian, they're, they're participating in it. It's like they're part of the show. It's not like they're just talking, even though it's the person's talking at them, they're talking with them. And that, that for me is the process that when you do that consistently, it just makes it so much easier for people to participate. And what's funny about it is that you come to the interaction. Eh? You, you, you're almost saying, I, I don't speak in order to speak. I, I'm speaking to make you respond. That's my intention. It's, it's so powerful. It's like we're, you, you and I are having a, a conversation right now and it's like, there's, a, there's an element of humility, which is I think people um, need, to, they need to talk less, not because they don't have something to say. It's like, but because somebody else has something to say too. Yeah. And, there's, and, and I think that, that teaching people the skill of conversation is what you're doing is critical. Nowadays, a lot of people, nobody's ever taught them how to have a good conversation. They've never experienced one. Like an, like an honest to goodness, like a very good conversation with whether people are both listening and sh those conversations are incredible. Even if they're difficult conversations, they're, they're fruitful, they're productive, yeah. you know, so the, the, and that's, a, it's becoming more and more a lost art as people spend a lot of time consuming information and they've lost the art of conversation. Now, I can imagine to the podcast, there's people listening. I mean, our, our target audience is managers who manage big projects or departments uh, in the corporate world. And some of them will be thinking, this is powerful. I need to learn to do this. And next week I'm presenting to the board and I'd better be brief. What would be your, your main advice for them? Take time to prepare. So just in, in, in we, when we think about preparation, the instinct from many of the leaders that I've talked to is I don't have enough time. I'm so busy. Take a few minutes. Who am I talking to? What am I going to talk to them about? Why is it important? Why is it important to them? What are the key things that they need to hear? And what do I want them to do? And, how, and then practice that 
before you shouldn't be saying that for the first time to the board. Maybe you have a coworker and say, okay, I'm going to be talking to the board. This is what I'm going to talk about. Many people are saying it for the first time to a high impact audience. No, don't do that. Say it to your spouse or your neighbor or a coworker. Okay, I'm going to talk to the board. I mean, usually the board, that presentation is not going to be 25 minutes. It might be, yeah. Yeah. but say it out loud. Okay, does this make sense to them? Is it clear? Is it well-organized? Am I, can I cut anything out that doesn't matter to them? Um, if I answer these questions, like what am I talking about and why? I is there any background information they might need from me? It's all pre pre prepare a little bit. Something is better than nothing. And then, and then when you do it, and this is my recommendation is don't talk at people, have a conversation with them. You speak the way you talk to people in a conversation. So many people have notes and they start reading their notes and they get nervous. I mean, presenting to the board of directors can be a nervous moment. Don't look at notes. Notes are when you prepare. When you, when you walk in the room, put your notes in your bag or leave them in your office and then just have a conversation with them. Yeah. But one you've prepared for, and then see how they react to your conversation. You're gonna say something like tennis, they're gonna respond. Get them to respond, get them talking to you. And then you start, a people love conversations. Yeah, so the message is prepare, spend time preparing, think about what it is that they want to hear from you. And then while you're there, get into a real conversation, two-way traffic. That's exactly right. So your audience, you ask the, your audience, like they're, they're going to be thinking, this is great, but I have a meeting with the board. Another thing they might be thinking is about listening. And you just did it right there is when you listen to a person is listen and summarize back to the person what you heard. Um, in the same way, you're like, okay, this is what you said. And this is what I hear you saying. And this is why it sounds like it's important to you. You can summarize for people in that moment. You can be listening and summarizing. It makes people better listeners. Um, listening is not a passive thing. It's an active thing. It's an It's a thing of interest. It's a decision. Um, the best managers and the best leaders listen first and speak second. Oh yeah. 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 Before we go, Joe, I, I would like to ask you a question about your new book, um, noise, uh, living and leading when nobody can focus. It, it is the subtitle. And there's, there's an interesting term that you use in the book that made me wonder. You're talking about the weapons of mass destruction. What are they? If you think in the last decade, the, the biggest the biggest one is smartphones. Yeah. Smartphones are the source of just literally endless amounts of information that you have. Um, you have access to alerts, notifications, emails, text, social media. It's it's constant and endless distraction of information. And in for many people, it's the source of noise from the moment that they wake up into the moment they go to sleep every day, they're consuming information. And most of that information during the day is noisy. It's in a lot of it's useless. So the point of the book is how to manage that because if you don't manage it, it will manage you. So when my phone goes off, I don't have to answer it. If my phone goes off, I don't have to answer it. Think about that for a moment. Noise is the new book of Joe McCormack and a highly recommended read. At the end of the interview, we always go to Els de Meijer for her reflection on the conversation with Joe. But this week, it's not just Els de Meijer. 
it's Dr. De Meyer, as Els successfully defended her PhD last week. So many congratulations from this position to Els, and in a future podcast, you're going to learn what that PhD was all about. Now, Els's reflection is on Joe's earlier statement. We don't learn to be brief. Nobody teaches you how to be brief. Future generations of students would benefit, though, and Els intends to use the insights Joe shared in her interaction with students. Yeah, I like it. Um, and it's I'm going to use it in all arguments that I have with people about how students should um, present, how should people or how students should report, and how they should have their conversations. Good um, to clarify, you work a lot with students, yeah, right, exactly. and educating. Yeah, exactly. That's so, interesting. Um, besides being a researcher, I also teach um, last year students how to do their final presentation, so their graduation presentation. I give some advice on that. I do that together with other colleagues. And the communication colleagues were really in favor of being brief. Put in your main message up front. Right. Yeah. Of course, that has a disadvantage because as a student you're not like a, a full consultant and we and my colleagues of course they want to know that you have done reliable research as well so they want to see the roads towards your advice they want to see the process behind it on the other hand because it's applied research and um, the students want to give advice to companies and to managers. Right, yeah. And that's where they're going to work. So, of course, I understand there's a bit of a tension there, you know, how much attention do you pay to the process and, you know, all your arguments behind it, and how much attention do you pay to your main message and what you put up front. And basically, that's what um, what Joe went to in the in the talk, right? Mm. He, he said it's so important we teach students to be brief and yeah. to get to the point. Yeah. So that's what you're doing. You yeah, say. yeah, exactly. Yeah, we tell them to really be upfront and to, well, upfront is a big word. I, I mean, of course, there's always sensitive things that you have to kind of massage in before you say it. But um um, and I, I, I mean, I'm in big favor of, of letting the context decide on how you communicate, of course. Um, but in this case, especially because they are just starting off and especially because they have, um, they also have managers to convince as starting uh, professionals and they have every advantage of being confident uh, or presenting themselves in a confident way, I would definitely say, uh, work with your core message up front and then you put in your arguments. Now, if that is odd to do because um, you think people are going to comment on it, then you work with a kind of meta communication where you do some expectation management right. and you yeah. yeah, and you just say, listen, uh, I want to put my main message up front. I will give you the arguments afterwards. Uh, this may seem a bit shocking at first, but in that way, I'm sure you get the three main points of my message. So once you do that, your public knows, all right, this is the way I should listen to right. how you have in your presentation or your conversation or your meeting or whatever. Explain what you're doing. Exactly, yeah. 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 Um, and and I think, and I was happy to hear what he said because I, I'm going to let all my students listen to this episode of the podcast, I think, because um, it's such a good 
argument from someone or yeah such a good argument from someone who's really into practice and who has so much experience in all kind of areas even the military um, uh, area where he can just really argue why you should do it like yeah, that yeah. and I'm I'm I was very happy to hear that we're doing the right thing. You know, we're really teaching people to write executive summaries, uh, to talk like that, and um, yeah, I'm 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 definitely going to use it. So I was happy to hear that. It's a great one that you use that as an example because if I reflect myself, mm. um, co constantly busy with communication, quite often I know my subject very well. Yeah. But if you ask me on the spot, what's your opinion? One sentence. Right. Then that's hard, right? So you need to think up front about what's my key message. Yeah, yeah, that's something he says as well. You know, you need to prepare it. Yeah. And 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 of course, our students do that. You know, when they go to their final presentation, of course they've prepared course, it because yeah, it's a, yeah. a big moment. But I don't know if they do it and if other people do it when they just get into a meeting or they go into a chat. Indeed, like you said, the example can I have one time or one minute of your time. Um, we're less inclined to do it like that. And, and I think it would be a good exercise indeed to, to get students also to do that, you know, whatever conversation going in, prepare it up front so you can get your opinion straight out there um, and then uh, elaborate on it. And that was Dr. Els de Meijer reflecting on the interview with Joe McCormack. And like every week, we extract three very practical tips that you can take away from this episode and test out tomorrow in the office. Three tips to bring more clarity into your conversations. Tip one. Preparation leads to shorter and more concise messages. Take a few minutes. Who am I talking to? What am I going to talk to them about? Why is it important? Why is it important to them? What are the key things that they need to hear and what do I want them to do? Train yourself for a while to not just start talking when it's your turn, but pause and decide what is the key point you want to bring forward. Make a distinction between what is the most important thing for people to hear and what is the thing that you're just comfortable to talk about. Tip two. Make your meeting short and concise. Answer three questions up front before starting any meeting. What is this meeting about? Why are we having it? And what do we need to decide? Tip three. When talking to the board or an important audience, don't talk at them. Speak with them. Throw away your notes. Those were for preparation only. In the actual event, open a dialogue. Watch their reactions and react on that again. And that brings us to the end of the episode for this week. Looking forward though, the next episode is online in two weeks time. And in that episode, my guest is Jeff Cox. Jeff is a management consultant and trainer from Bristol in the UK. And Jeff will have some very practical advices about communication. You know, you should uh, engage your brain before opening your mouth. It's all about different communication styles next time and the importance to adjust your communication style in a flexible way. This way you can easily engage with different people. You know, what we tend to look at is uh, that person is a difficult person to communicate with. No, that person is a different person to communicate with. They're not difficult, they're just different. So that's going to be interesting. Always using your own preferred communication style is not going to be successful. Now, of course, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> so we'd better be flexible. But that's next time in Clarity in Conversations. For now, I'd like to thank Els de Meijer for her reflections and for Joe McCormack on the great interview. Thanks for listening to Clarity in Conversations, a podcast by Frank Garten. 
Clarity in Conversations is a podcast by me, Frank Garten. To further professionalize the podcast, I'm looking for a company active in the consultancy business to sponsor the podcast when we start with season two in June 2020. If you have suggestions for this, or you are the sponsor that wants to attach your name to Clarity in Conversations, I'd like to speak to you. Leave me a note then at frank at clarityinconversations.nl or find my contact details on frankgarten.com.